This is WCNY's The Capitol Press Room, and we're joined in the studio by Assemblymember Kerry Werner, a Capitol Region Democrat who's pushing legislation designed to cut down on drunk driving in New York. Welcome back to the show, Assemblymember. Always a pleasure, David. Thank you for having me. It's our pleasure to have you. So your legislation deals with ignition interlock devices. Can you explain what they are and, I guess, how they're utilized right now in New York? So an ignition interlock device is installed in the car, and it acts like a, a real-time breathalyzer. So you get it into the car, you blow into the ignition interlock device. As long as you don't record with, uh, with any alcohol on your breath, the car will turn on. If, on the other hand, the sensors pick up any alcohol on your breath, the car won't turn on. You can wait 30 seconds to try again. Mm-hmm. So you get a couple of tries. And then if it continues to sense that you've consumed alcohol, you won't be able to drive the car. So, And I have to say that, that over the last year, the statistics show that we've stopped 126,000 potential drunk driving incidences through the use of ignition interlocks. We know that they work and they reduce recidivism. Mm-hmm. And there's been plenty of studies across the country that have, that have demonstrated that. And in what circumstances right now are they required in New York, if any, or are these all voluntary situations where people say, I know I have a problem and I need to put this in my car? So they're required if you are under Leandra's law, uh, they are required if you are convicted of a DWI. But there's a loophole. And that's why only about 25% of the people who should be required to install an ignition interlock device don't. And the loophole is this. So if someone is convicted of a DWI, they are told by the judge that they have to install an ignition interlock in their car, but they could, as an alternative, give up their car. So they could turn in their registration, get rid of their car, and then they don't have to have an ignition interlock. Does that mean they're not driving? No, it doesn't mean they're not driving. It just means they don't own a car. And so what we're proposing in this, in this legislation is to remove that loophole to say you must have an ignition interlock in your car or if you don't own a car now, in a car that you would, would normally drive. And that way we can be sure that the universe of people who are perpetually driving under the influence, and by the way, this is an interesting statistics, you have to drive something like 80 times under the influence before you'll actually be pulled over. So um, somebody who's pulled over, it's not that this is the first time that they have consumed alcohol above where it was safe for them to drive and then gotten behind the wheel of a car. Data tells us that it happens much more frequently than somebody actually gets pulled over. So you've gotten pulled over. We know that this is something you do as a regular habit you are convicted of it, and under my legislation, you would be required to install an ignition interlock device. And who would be then responsible for monitoring the implementation of that? Would it fall to the Department of Corrections, or would another entity, like the Department of Transportation, have oversight of something like this? So the other piece that that would happen is that you'd have, um, on your license, there would be a little symbol that says this individual is required to be using an ignition interlock device. So if you decide, well, I'm, I'm not going to use my car, 
I'll drive my neighbor's car and they lend it to you. If if you are driving under the influence, get pulled over and the symbol is on your license and you're, there's no ignition interlock in the car, then that's uh, it's enforced through the vehicle and traffic laws. And would just the driver in that instance be held culpable for that driving without an in- ignition interlock device? Or could the neighbor who loaned a car or the family member who loans a car uh, be held responsible in some way, shape, or form? No, just the driver. And, and does that make sense? Should someone who might be knowingly facilitating uh, driving uh, be responsible for something like this as well? I would like to think that people are sensible enough that if they know their family member or their neighbor has a problem, that they wouldn't they wouldn't facilitate that. But our focus really is on making sure that people who have a problem with consuming alcohol or consuming alcohol and drugs and getting behind the wheel of a car, that the ignition interlock device reduces the opportunities for them to do that. And, and, and in that, then we do some behavior modification. So it's a feedback loop that, that we hope would, would encourage. And we know from the, from the 26% of the universe of New Yorkers who ought to be using an ignition interlock and who do, we know it actually works. So if we can, if we can raise that amount to 75% or 80%, we know that we will, we will reduce the, the instances of fatalities due to drunk driving and and I probably should have in, should have started the conversation with this but um, since 2019 drive drunk driving deaths have skyrocketed 52 percent this is a growing problem in New York and it's having real impact on families so if we can if we can use this interlock device as a way to reduce the instances of people who overconsume and then get behind the wheel of the car um, that's really, it, it will have material benefits um, in terms of road safety. Let me reintroduce you right there. Uh, for listeners just joining us, you're listening to the Capitol Press Room, and we're speaking with Assemblymember Carrie Werner, a Capital Region Democrat who's pushing legislation designed to ensure that drivers who are convicted of a DWI offense and are required to use an ignition interlock device are actually using the court-mandated device. I've read that when it comes to mandating these types of devices, the states that do do it usually pass it along to the consumers. And this can be anywhere between uh, $75 for the initial installation to up to $1,000 of constant maintenance for something like this. So what would that look like in New York? Is this something where the driver is going to be responsible for the, the cost of the device or Does the state have an onus to do this since it is a public health, public concern? So it works out to be about um, $3 a day. um, But out of the stop DWI funds, there's a hardship fund available for someone who can't afford that that cost. Um, The other thing that is part of this is that uh, the bill would waive the $750 driver responsibility fee that is part of the penalties associated with DWI. So there is a cost savings from that angle as well. Any concerns about this being disproportionately leveled on low-income New Yorkers who might not have access to the same quality attorneys who could simply plead down 
drunk driving offenses or might be connected in a way that they never end up with a court mandated inter ignition interlock device? Certainly, if you have a good lawyer, it always helps you when you're in the middle of a criminal case. That, I think, is, uh, is just a reality in the way our justice system works. Okay. But I do think that having, having a, a tool like the ignition interlock will provide a long-term benefit to changing behaviors. And if individuals can train themselves to not overconsume and then get behind the wheel of the car, if this is a habit that they have, if this is a problem that they have. And as I said, the, the data tells us that somebody who is, a, is picked up for, for drunk driving has probably done this dozens of times before and just never got picked up. So somebody who has this as a habit, um, this is a mechanism for them to change their behavior and to get the feedback loop before they get in the car to say, okay, I have had too much. I had however, however much I had, it's too much and I'm not, the car's not gonna let me drive. So therefore I'm gonna call Uber. I'm going to call a friend. I'm gonna take a cab. I'm gonna take a bus, whatever uh, transportation options are available to them. The system is going to reinforce that they shouldn't be behind the wheel of the car. And in terms of the logistics of how these things actually work, you mentioned that they can detect any alcohol. Would a vehicle not operate if there's detection of, of any alcohol, or would it not operate if there's alcohol detected above, say, the legal limit for driving? It's any alcohol. Um, so a lot of people are concerned about things like mouthwash. So Easy for me. I don't brush my teeth or do any oral hygiene, so that's fine. Good to know. That's uh, why we're sitting about seven feet apart right now. Yeah. I thought there was a reason, but uh, people are, you know, express concern about just rinse my mouth out with scope it, or is this going to be a problem or I just took some cough medicine. And that's why there's a repeat process will we'll catch that. So because the alcohol in your mouth from, from scope or, or from a cough medicine will dissipate rather quickly and then, and then so the repeat process will, will take that into account. And in terms of how often you might have to blow into this device, again, you framed it as something that you would utilize upon entering the car. But I've read some stories, at least in other states, where people are constantly having to update uh, the ignition interlock device, even while driving, and that could present some sort of safety concerns. Is that something that New York mandates with its devices? Uh, And if so, are you concerned at all about the risks that that might pose while driving? Yes, because sometimes people who have a habit getting behind the wheel of the car after they've overconsumed also have a habit of drinking while they're driving. And so the device will, and I think it's it, it's a random period of time, ping to say you need you need to take the test again. And you have, I think, 10, 15 minutes to pull off to a safe location. Minutes, not seconds? Minutes. Okay. Take the take the test, and then continue on. Well, we've been speaking with Assemblymember Carrie Werner. She is a Capital Region Democrat. Assemblymember, thank you so much for making the time. I really appreciate it. My pleasure, David. And for more Capital Press Room content, visit capitalpressroom.org or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. And if you listen to us from an Apple device, make sure to leave us a rating and a review so it helps other people find the show. 
Support for the Capitol Press Room provided by the New York State AFL-CIO, a federation of 3,000 unions fighting for working people by keeping New York State union strong. Visit unionstrongny.org for more information.